Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Good morning, Faith family. I pray that you had an amazing Christmas. I wanted to be the one to introduce to you our speaker. And he is Pastor Mark Davies. He's one of our pastors here. He, he, we love him. We love his passion for Jesus. We love his passion for the lost. We love his passion for the, for the nations of the world. But we also love his teaching. And so let me encourage you to open your heart and receive from Pastor Mark today. So Pastor Mark, come on. And church, let's welcome Pastor Mark as he comes to speak the word today. God bless. Good morning. Merry Christmas, everybody. Is it okay to say Merry Christmas after Christmas Day? I listen to Christmas music all year round pretty much. I'm that guy. So if you want to hate me, there's a box of tomatoes over here, okay? <laughs> Guys, it's great to come and be with you today. Um, Nathan, I did get this sweater from my wife. Thank you, Maritza. It's my Christmas sweater. All right. Today we are going to be looking at numbers 13 through 14. And I don't think I've ever preached from the book of Numbers before. And, uh, but as I was preparing this message, I had something else totally in mind. I'd even told Pastor Jason that I was going to preach this other topic. And the Lord just grabbed my attention on Monday morning and said, no, I want you to teach from this. So I believe that if you are here or you are online, welcome, by the way, that God has a very specific word for you, right for where you're at. And uh, I'm excited. I love it when God does that. When I have kind of a plan, I feel like I'm working on something that he's given me and he's like interrupts it and moves me a different direction. I love that. I don't love it when he does that seconds before I step on the stage, but it is awesome because I know I'm hearing something that's fresh from the Lord for our church family. So before we jump in, you guys want to just bow with me in prayer and ask God to speak to us from his word. So Jesus, we want to say thank you. Thank you for who you are. Like we sang, your blood has covered us, has cleansed us, has redeemed us, has made us whole in your sight. And we're so grateful for that. We invite you now this morning to speak to us by your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would inspire us with courage to be people of faith in this city. So we trust you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So here's the thing. I want you to look at someone next to you and say, I am able. Go ahead. Like you mean it. I can see you. So don't, don't try to skip this part. Say it again. I am able. Okay. Joshua and Caleb. These guys were amazing men. We see in the account here in Numbers chapter 13 that the Lord instructs Moses to send 12 spies into the promised land to check it out. Now, a little bit of context here for those of you who like context. you got to remember that the Israelites were in captivity in Egypt for 400 years. They were a nation before that, small tribe. And you guys remember, they got brought into Egypt because of the famine so that they could survive. And when that Pharaoh died and the next Pharaoh came along, he enslaved the people of Israel for 400 years. And what happened next was Moses comes along and he tries to set them free. And that didn't go very well because he tried to do it on his own. So he went out, escaped to the desert. He was there for 40 years. 
And then God appeared to him in a burning bush. That's amazing. God gives him the instructions, and after Moses complains a little bit about not being able to speak really well, etc., etc., God says, I want you to go and deliver my people, that I have heard their cry. So the people of Israel, they had been in Egypt enslaved and had been crying out to God for freedom for 400 years, which is longer than the United States has existed, by the way. It's a long time. But God heard them, and he sent Moses back to be their deliverer. I want you to remember that, like it says in Romans 15, that everything that was recorded in the Old Testament was written and recorded for what purpose? For our instruction, so that we could be encouraged in the Lord. And I believe that God is going to give us a couple of key things to walk into 2022 with. That feels nice to say that, by the way, doesn't it? 2022. He's going to give us a couple of things because I believe that each and every one of you have areas in your life where God is inviting you to take a step with him. God is inviting you to take new territory. God is inviting you to maybe take some inner territory, an area of your life that's inside that needs conquering, that have giants in the land, that are fortified. Maybe you've built walls in your heart towards the Lord or others, and God is saying, come, let's take this land. Maybe there's an external land that you need to step into and take. Maybe there's a place where you need to go physically and start something. Maybe God is calling you to start a business for the first time. Maybe God's calling you to close down a business and do something totally different that he's going to equip you for. Maybe God is calling you to learn how to be a different kind of father or mother or son or grandparent. Each of us, none of, here's the thing, none of us are neutral. None of us are neutral. We all have something that God is calling us to step into with him. Now, it may not always be out here in the physical realm. That's why I mentioned the interior realm too. Because honestly, guys, I'm good at this because I'm a seven on the Enneagram. I like to ignore problems and just think about the future. Oftentimes, and I did hear a little giggle back there, I'm glad you empathize with me, you hear me. But here's the thing, we're really good as Christians ignoring the interior life, what God's asking us to deal with, and just being really busy for him. So your battle, I don't want you to assume that that territory that God wants you to take is out here in the physical realm, like out here. It might be something in here. It might be something here, a place that God wants you to tackle. All right, so let's look here. Let's see what we can learn from these two chapters in Numbers. Starting in 13, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men out to spy the land of Canaan, which was their promised land. Skipping ahead, I'm, you know I'm not going to read all of this, so don't fear, okay? But I'm going to tell it to you in pieces. It says for 40 days, they went and spied out the land from the, north, from the south to the north. They looked everywhere. And not only that, they found some crazy awesome things. One of the things I was always fascinated when I saw the flannel gram or whatever the thing was called was the huge bunch of grapes that was like as big as a human. And they had to carry it on a pole between two people. It was so big. So the land was abundant and fruitful. And not only that, but they also found some really bad big guys there. Some bad guys who were huge and fortified cities 
And this caused the group of spies, the group of 12, to split into two camps. I'll call them the believers and the haters. Joshua and Caleb, man, when they walked into the promised land, they saw something different. They saw beyond the physical. They saw the opportunity that God was giving to them. The haters, on the other hand, I call them haters because it's easier than saying the other 10 spies. But the haters, they saw the same things physically, but they saw something different beyond that. They saw difficulty and impossibility. So going on, they come back, they bring the grapes. Everybody's like, do we want to eat these or do we want to make some fancy wine? And they told them about what they saw. And it says here in verse 28, however, the people, this is what the haters are saying, however, the people who are in the land are super strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. So they're stirring up fear. They're fear-mongering. But Caleb, verse 30, quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. This is why I had you guys say, I am able. We are well able to overcome it. Now, did Caleb look at the same things that the haters looked at? Absolutely. But what he had in his mind was trust and faith that God had said, go in and occupy this place. Go in and do it. So after Caleb says this, the haters got up and they said, listen, we are not able to go up against this people for they are stronger than we are. So they brought Israel a bad report about the land they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that saw it, that we saw in it, are of a great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim, and we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers in their sight. Sometimes God asks us to do things that make us feel really small. that make us realize our need for him. We were having a little powwow in the back, the worship team, and I was listening in, and they were talking about that very thing about when we feel weak. Why? It's just amazing because it seems like when we are weak and incapable, God has more opportunity to show up and blow the doors off. But it's so easy to operate like the group of haters here, where we just can think of 47 different reasons why this thing is not going to work. Why God isn't in that. Well, he spoke that thing. He's confirmed it two times. He keeps prodding me to do it, but I just can tell him all the reasons why not. It takes very little creativity to have no faith. Caleb and Joshua, on the other hand, were believing that God would do the thing that he said. So the story continues in chapter 14, unfolding, and it says... Then all the congregation raised a loud cry and wept all night long. 
And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we have died in the land of Egypt! Or would that we have died in this wilderness! Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the whole assembly and the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, and the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, they tore their clothes and said to the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then the congregation said, okay, sure, let's go in. No, the congregation said, let's stone them with stones. And on it goes to the point where the Lord says to Moses, why do these people despise me? Looking at that word in the original language, it means to provoke or blaspheme the Lord. Basically, God's saying, I'm going to do this thing, so let's go. And the people are saying, we don't believe you, and no, you're not. Speaking the exact opposite to God about what he just said about himself. For us, I believe that there are some deep lessons we can learn from this story. Because it goes on to say, God was going to wipe out the Israelites and start over. Moses intercedes. God forgives but he says, you're going to have to go back into the desert and wander until this faithless generation has died and I will go in with your children. It's sad and tragic. This didn't have to be like this. You see, I think that the people of Israel, they forgot how capable God is. They forgot about the plagues. They forgot about their captivity. It's easy, think about this, at times when you're removed from a situation to be like, man, the good old days were back there. And they forget that they were slaves and their bodies were used to grease the skids, to build the pyramids or whatever. Pharaoh used and abused them, but they idealized that time and they forgot that God delivered from them from that with miracle signs. Not only that, they forgot about being pushed up against the Red Sea and the ocean, the sea splitting open so they could walk through. And not only that, their enemies pursuing them and God just going, yeah, I think I'm done holding the water back now. And then they traveled and they found more enemies that God delivered them from. They forgot. We never do that. <clears throat> never. Derek Prince says this, he says, 10 of the 12 spies focused on the problems, not on the promise. Two of the 12 spies, Joshua and Caleb, focused on the promises, not on the problems. Joshua and Caleb said, we are well able. The haters said, we are not able. Listen to this. Each got exactly what they said. They all settled their own destinies 
with the words of their mouth. So here's a little sneak of preach for you. Examine what you speak in the privacy of your own heart when the Lord is inviting you somewhere. Examine what you speak because what you speak, Proverbs says, from the fruit of a man's lips, he is satisfied. Now, this is not a name it, claim it gospel presentation. But your words have the power of death and life in them. You guys know this. Anyone who was raised by a mama knows that scripture. So what we speak is often what we harvest. And we see here the two parties received what they had spoken. So I want to look at three truths that we can live by from the scripture passage. You guys ready? Are you all right? You guys are doing good for having stayed up late, ate a lot of food, opened some gifts, hung out, shoveled a lot of snow. Oh, wait, no, that was last year. So let's look at this. Truth number one. Oh, yeah, I titled this message, I Spy, Three Truths to Live By, just because it was kind of corny and, and weird. Um, because there were spies in the land, you know? You get it? Okay, good. Just making sure. Awesome. Number one. Now, don't throw tomatoes at me for this one, but God will lead you into difficulty and he will be with you. And some of you are like, well, I don't believe that. We're in the new covenant. Well, you've got to read your Bible, friend. Jesus says in Matthew, he actually tells, or excuse me, in John chapter 16, 33, he actually says, you're going to have troubles. And so I've told you all this stuff so that you can have peace in me because difficulties will come, but take heart because I have overcome the world. In other places, he says, man, people are going to hate you. This is Matthew 24. People are going to hate you. They're going to ridicule you. They're going to throw you in jail. They're going to persecute you. But whoever endures till the end will be saved. So he's constantly warning his people, like, following him is not easy or for the faint of heart. Here's the beautiful thing, though. When God leads a person into a thing, he is with them in that thing. He is always with you. Now, here's the lie our culture tells us. If it's difficult, you're probably going the wrong way. Now, examine your thinking for a second. Have you ever thought that when you start moving in a direction you feel like God's taking you on and it's difficult and then you question, maybe I'm going the wrong way. Maybe I heard wrong. Like God wouldn't actually call you to go into difficulty. See, God's desire for us is not that we just have a comfortable life and we have rainbows and flowers all day long. God's desire for you is that you be formed into the image of Christ. Suffering and difficulty are part of that. It's one of the parts that we as modern Christians try to avoid at all costs. It's like, let's do the fun things. For those younger in the room, that meme that says, let's skip to the good part. Let's just skip to the good part. I don't want to do the hard part. Well, that is exactly why we have weak Christians. Is because we avoid difficulty Believing that God as a good God would never lead me towards something that's hard. 
the parents in the room would know that that's ridiculous thinking. If you always did, made everything super easy for your child, it wouldn't work out super great for them when they grow up. Am I right? God is a good father. He's an even better father than you or I could ever hope to be. And so here's the thing. Through difficulty, we are pressed and we're faced with a decision when we're in difficulty. Will I continue or will I turn around? If we continue, we inherit the promise. If we turn around, we may end up wandering around a mountain until we come back to the same challenge again later. Why? Because God's a good God and he wants Christ formed in you. So I want you to think about your plans for 2022. Okay, I know most of you imagine yourselves frolicking without masks and all that sort of thing. But here's the thing, God is inviting you to take some territory, interior territory or exterior territory. God is inviting you to take some territory for his glory and for his honor. It's going to be difficult. Are you gonna say yes or are you gonna turn around and leave it for another year? Ask that to yourself, not verbally, but ask that, examine yourself in that. You know, when I face difficulty, I ask myself, or I say a certain statement to myself. Do you want me to tell you what it is? In one second, I will. I remember back in April when the pandemic was first happening, we had been on quarantine because we were in Asia. We got back just in time before borders closed. They told us to, you know, pastoral staff here said, stay in your house and quarantine. So I'm like, okay, work from home. And then uh, the whole world went on lockdown. You guys remember this? And then we got an email boop, on the computer. And you know what it was? It was an email from our adoption agency we had been in process with for five years to adopt two little girls from Columbia. And they sent us a file with pictures and information about these two girls that needed to be adopted. You know what my first thought was? I was like, really, God? Like, right now? Now, of all times, the world is going crazy and we're all locked in our houses and you want me to be like, yeah, sure, pick us. Right now? That was my first response. Obviously, extremely faith-filled and like really full of courage. And, uh, but I remember my wife and I, we prayed about it, talked about it for just a couple of days. And I remember this, this like, Holy Spirit courage rising up in me to be like, wait a second. Yeah. Why not now? Why not right now? Let's do this now. Why? Because this is going to give God a lot of glory if this works. We might be out some money. We might be out some time. I'm a crier. I might cry a lot if this doesn't work, but we're going to just lead in and see what happens. And a year later, like right before Christmas, so less than a year later, we were home in our house with Jessica and Anna. It's glory to God during all the stuff that was unraveling. But I tell you what, <laughs> it, 
it was such a great time of growth in trusting Jesus to go out and move on the word of the Lord. Not presumption, but on the word of the Lord. And so this is what I say to myself when I'm facing difficulty. I say to myself, God must really trust us that he's putting this season in our hands to steward. Hmm. God must really trust you if you're facing difficulty today or you will be facing difficulty because of your choices or you will be facing difficulty because of the choices of others or even because of the fallen nature of this world, you are going to face difficulties. I want you to remember something. God trusts you with that thing. He trusts you. He trusts you. He trusts you enough to be like, I'm going to let you be alive during the most crazy season in a while. Sure. I'm going to trust you to be alive, to steward these kids' lives, or to do X, Y, and Z. God trusts you. God trusts me to be a father. He trusts me to be a husband. He trusts me to be here and minister in the staff. He trusts me to be a friend to others in times of difficulty. And he trusts you too. God was giving extending trust to the Israelites to go in and take the land. He said, I'm trusting you with this. Unfortunately, they didn't reciprocate and trust God. Joshua and Caleb did. If you think about it, out of the nearly two million people, two of the generation 20 and above lived to go into the promised land. Two. Two trusted God. Now, by the grace of Jesus, because, I mean, honestly, Jesus came and delivered us, not just from bondage, but he has delivered us so that we could step into our inheritance with Jesus. So we have everything we need to move forward. We know that God is going to bring the resources and the people and the knowledge, the healing, whatever it is that you're facing, we know that he's going to bring it. In Christ, we have everything we need. All right. You guys ready for number two? Oh, I almost forgot about this scripture. Romans chapter five, three through five says this. For any of those who doubt that God would lead you into difficult places. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing this, that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When we avoid difficulty, we miss out on part of the inheritance that God wants to pour into us in those seasons. So embrace it. Embrace it and hold it tight and give thanks for it. As it says in James chapter 1, count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. Count it joy. Do the math and recognize that this will produce something that results in honor and praise to Jesus. You guys have heard we've been saying recently around here, like, we want to make Jesus famous everywhere, right? How's that going to happen 
If we, if we avoid opportunities for the, the glory of Jesus to be reflected off of our lives by the way that we suffer, by the way that we conquer, by the way that we stand up, by the way that we submit, by the way that we love, and the way that we serve. If we shirk the difficult things, we miss out on those opportunities to make him more famous. So number two, a truth we can live by. And this is, this is a little corny, but it's true. If you do not take a step, you will never arrive. The Israelites literally stood right on the border. And they were not willing to take the step. And they never arrived. The same goes for us. If we simply hold the, the, the instruction from the Lord in our hearts and minds, but we never take step toward it, if we never take a step toward that thing, we will never step into that thing. It's just as simple as that. Going back to Numbers 13, Caleb it says here, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said us, he's like, he's probably thinking like, guys, hello, we can't miss this opportunity, guys. Let's go up at once and take it. We're well able. Why did he think he was well able? Did he think the Israelites were like these awesome warriors who could just crush people? No, he knew that the Lord God Almighty who commands angel armies was on their side. And no one, if God said go, no one could stand against them. But the haters came back and retorted, we're not able, we just can't do it. Look at us. We're a bunch of feeble people. All I know how to do is lay bricks and make bricks and carry bricks. <laughs> Here's the thing. These haters were actually right. They looked at the facts and it was true. They were not able. The giants were big. The villages and towns were fortified. Oh yeah, they had big bad weapons and stuff. But Caleb and Joshua, they had a different spirit. In fact, they were not just trying to conquer land so they could have a sweet house with a swimming pool. They knew that the honor of the Lord depended on this. Moses knew that the honor of the Lord depended on this. And that's why in chapter 14, Caleb says again, friends, we are well able to do this. Let's go. Don't rebel against the Lord. Don't rebel. And the people said, stone him, stone him. You know, Caleb was able to operate like this because it says in Numbers that he had a different spirit. What is that all about? How come he got the different spirit and the other guys didn't? It's like if you ever had an older brother, you're like, how come he's like way smarter than me and I'm the dyslexic one? You got a different spirit. But it's elaborated on a little bit in chapter 14. It says he has a different spirit and he followed the Lord wholeheartedly with his whole heart. Caleb was that guy who 40 years later when the Israelites finally came around to their senses, he's like, yo, Joshua, 
It's the beginning of Joshua. Give me the hill country where I went and spied out that place because I'm just as strong now at 80 as I was when I was 40. The zeal he had to go and complete the mission. Because God, at the, at the end of chapter 14, says, see, Caleb's going to go in. You're not. Nobody else is going in. Joshua and Caleb, you guys are going in. And Caleb is going to be given the place where he had spied out, the place where his feet went. Isn't that interesting? So Caleb, he took the hardest place, spied it out, and that's the very place he got to go in and take Relating this back to our culture today, friends, we are surrounded by people who have the hater mentality and the hater spirit, wanting to tell everybody why, uh, everything that's wrong with everybody and everything, with our culture, with the world, with the politics, with uh, Jeffco Health, with everybody, I just want to hate on everybody. It's easy to complain. It's easy to be a part of that crowd. And what's, what's astonishing to me is that Caleb somehow made it through 40 whole years enduring punishment that he didn't deserve because he wasn't a part of the hater crowd. And when he came out on the other side, he didn't look just like them. He was still totally different. Do you guys recognize that? And I think right now there's an invitation for you to step it up in your game and not allow the culture to tell you how you should be thinking and speaking and operating. The culture doesn't know anything about trusting Jesus. You do. Right? And so now is not the time for us to become like the world and post all the gross things on and share all the stuff on the place. And join in the gross conversation. Now is the time for us to look at the face of God and be like, behold him. This is what Caleb, this is one of the reasons he was different, is he dedicated his whole heart to seeking after the Lord. And that's how we get strong, as we know that we are weak and we get on our knees and we're like, God, help me see you. The most important thing we can see in our day-to-day -day life is not the vision for the future or the cool thing you're going to build or what you're going to do for God. The best vision you can have for your future is your vision of Jesus. I'm telling you guys, if you want to be distinct in the world today, if you want to be like a Caleb or a Joshua and be someone who actually takes the step when God says, let's go, we're going, and you're like, let's do it. If you want to be that type of person, behold the face of God. Behold him. Recognize that he's beholding you, that he loves you, that he actually likes you, that he saved you for a reason because it is his joy to do so. You guys follow what I'm saying? It is for real. Guys, eventually we're all going to be gone and dead. I know that's kind of like a secret. Maybe I shouldn't say that. The thing that's going to matter in the end is did you live for Jesus? Did you behold him? Did your neighbors think you were crazy because of the stuff that you did because God's like, hey, come this way. Let's take this thing now. I want to lead you into radical healing. And you're like, okay, that's going to hurt. We're going to do it. Now, when I say healing, <laughs> I'm not just talking about physical. Some of us need to be on the journey of emotional and spiritual healing as well. 
We ignore that part because it's not as fancy or cool sounding. But God wants to bring you into a place of wholeness. And the only way you're going to have the courage to take the step and to arrive, to go and do the warfare that's necessary, is to behold the face of God, to understand his character and his nature and not forget, because it's so easy to forget, and that's why we need to constantly come into his presence and behold him and recognize, like, I am really tiny, but I'm really important to you, and I don't understand how that works. And I know you're a good leader, and I know you're a good father, and I know that you take care of your kids, and I know that nothing is actually impossible for you because you actually created everything from nothing. No one's ever been able to do that since then. So what am I afraid of? Your opinion of yourself or what your care about other people's opinions, by the way, diminishes and diminishes and diminishes the more you recognize how amazing and full God's opinion is about you. Just to throw that out there. So if you feel the hesitancy because you're worried about what your family's going to think or what somebody you don't even know is going to think about you, the more you recognize and think about what God thinks about you and who he is and what he's like, those voices become real small. You know what that's called? It's actually called the fear of the Lord when his opinion is more important than even your own opinion about yourself. So when you lose the fear of man, you can step out like a Caleb and be like, we are well able. We are well able, let's do this. Now, I just wanna point out something, and that is this, that Faith, applying your faith is not always about solving or fixing a thing. Men, hear me out. We're fixers by nature. We want to fix things. We want to solve it. Fix it. But faith also gives a different gift. It gives us the gift of grace to endure when something isn't fixed. Maybe something is actually getting worse. We need to trust that Jesus is the same Jesus leading us into the battle. He's the same Jesus that's with us in the battle. He delivers us from our bondage and he's with us in the middle part. The part before we enter into the promised land. Because you guys realize life is full of those kinds of transitions. An exit place, a middle place, and an entering place. An exit place, a middle place, and an entering place. And see, God is with you in each of those places. Part of our, one of the hang-ups for Christianity today is that we think, well, the middle place should just disappear. But the middle place is actually where so much of the formation of who you are in Jesus takes place. So we just want to skip it and just get to the end already. And so we pray like magic bullet prayers, like, oh, Jesus, if you could just... And we expect him to be like, you know, I care way more about just that result than about your formation. So yeah, let's just skip that and just go over here. So I want to encourage you that as you take the steps that you're going to enter into a middle place, 
You might already be in a middle place. God's with you there. He's leading you there. And he's stamping the character and nature of Jesus on your life. So don't skip it. Here's the thing. James says that faith without action is what? It's dead, lifeless. Faith is not just a state of mind. Faith is when belief produces action. Faith produces action. If faith doesn't have action, it isn't faith. It's a hope, maybe. So when you look at whatever territory God is taking you into next, let your faith produce action. Not because of how amazing your skills are or how much money you have in the bank, but because of how great God is. You follow what I'm saying? God wants to glorify himself through your life. And one of the ways he's going to do that is by leading you into and through difficulty. Final point here is this, that provision is inside of obedience. And you might say to me, like, well, that's kind of a weird point. Why are you saying that? Because oftentimes we delay our obedience waiting for provision. We're like, well, maybe I'll, I'll step toward that if I start seeing the enemies fall down. I'll step toward that if I start seeing the walls crumble. I'll step into that if you just give me a sign, God, that you're already on the move and you're already going to win. Then I'll trust you. So think about how that trust looks. Like, come on. If we're waiting for it to already be apparent, that's like, being like, oh, I'm, I'm going for the Broncos because I know they're going to win. Now, I know that's not reality right now. I don't think. I don't. But it's like saying, I'm going to wait to choose my team until I know who's going to win, like, indefinitely. I'm not a football fan, so that's actually what I do. He's like, yeah, I was going for them. But you see, we got to put, we have to put our confidence in there knowing that the provision is going to be there. Because here's the truth. When God says a thing... His very word has the power to accomplish the thing because he's God. He's the guy who can say, let there be light, and there's light from nothing. So when he says, go, go occupy, conquer, do, his very instruction has the power to accomplish itself, and all he needs is you to come along the way. Provision is inside of the obedience. I love what Caleb says here. When he's trying to tell them, he's like, don't fear the people of the land. They are bread for us. It's a very weird statement. I don't usually say that about people. They're bread for us. What does that mean? Caleb is saying God is going to use them to sustain us. They are our provision from God. They are bread for us. So how are you going to go get that bread if you don't go in and take it out of the oven? Now here's the deal. 
Numbers 23 actually says, God is not like a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said it. Will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? See, God is well able to do the thing that he's inviting you into. He is well able to give the land of Canaan into the hands of the Israelites, the bricklaying Israelites. He was able to do it. He was able to do it then. But he had to wait for active faith to be in the people, people who trusted him enough for them to say, now we can go in. And I believe that God is ready to blow your doors off. Now, this is not just some kind of impassioned speech to try to get you to feel a little bit of courage so you can go do something cool. This is me saying the year of 2022, let's make it a year of aligning ourselves with the will of the Lord. Because here's the thing, if you're in difficulty because you took a risk and you ask yourself the question, okay, I'm in difficulty, what did God say? If you don't have an answer to that, that might be why you're in a little bit of difficulty. Because maybe you're being presumptuous, but you can always stop and say, God, what are you saying now? If God had spoken to you, that's one of the most important reasons to look back and say, what did God say? I remember when we were transitioning careers and it looked really scary and I was like, what is going to happen? We had to just keep going back to, what did God say? Oh, yeah, when I was 22, he said this. When I was 30, he said this. Then last year, he said this four times. I can trust you. I don't feel like I can, but I know I can. So I purposely need to align myself with his word and his will. And I want to encourage you guys to do the same. God has entrusted you with yet another season. And it doesn't bother me if you're 87 years old or you're seven years old. God is inviting you to take a step with him. That starts today. And if you're growing weary because you have taken a step with him, strengthen yourself in the Lord. Lean into him. Tell him your sadness, your disappointment, the difficulty, whatever it is you need to tell him. You can be honest with God. Tell him, it all. Tell him all of it. Don't hide anything from him because he knows it already. He wants you to know that he knows. And as you do that, you will find the courage, like the Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which is a fun name, to rise up and bring glory and honor to Jesus. This is going to be a great year for our church family. This is going to be a great year for your families. This is going to be a year where you get to learn more about God than you've ever dreamed about knowing about him and gaining courage and strength for the battle to bring glory and honor to him. So I'd love it if you guys would take a moment to bow your heads with me. I'm going to pronounce a blessing on you, which also comes from Numbers. It's the high priestly blessing that God instructed Aaron and his priests to speak over the people. And it goes like this. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. 
Grace and peace are the very things that Jesus is eager to give you. Grace in the form of strength for the battle and peace in the midst of it to trust him, to lean into him. When you waver, to lean into him. When you doubt, to confess it to the Lord and to be strengthened in your innermost being in Jesus. Father, we ask that you would grant this house a greater level of trust in who you are, in your nature and in your character, in your goodness and your desire to bless so that we can be a blessing, and your faithful presence, which is always with us. You speak to every mind in this room and watching online, people, when they doubt the love of Jesus for them, would you remind them who you are and what you're like? When they doubt the call of God on their lives, would you remind them of it, of your call and of your ability to accomplish it? Father, I pray that we would not just become more busy, but that we become more rooted and grounded in Jesus, in your word, in, a, in the life of the spirit, trusting you and trusting in your leadership. And Father, would we have a heart like Moses who says, if you don't go with us, we're not going. So lead the way. Give us grace to follow you. And when we stumble, would you help us to be quick to pop back up and say, Jesus, I'm still here. So we thank you, God, for your goodness, for your mercy and your kindness. So while you guys are there with your heads bowed, I just want to give the opportunity for the gospel. If there is anybody in this room and you have not given your life to Jesus and made him Lord of your life and entered into that relationship with him, I just want to ask you, would you pop your hand up if that's you? We always want to give an opportunity for the gospel of Jesus. So Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. So would you guys stand up with me? If you wouldn't mind, just put a hand on a somebody's shoulder and tell them, we are well able. We are well able. You are well able because the Lord God Almighty is with you. So let me pray a blessing on you guys and I'm going to let you go for the day. Jesus, we thank you for this family. I pray that you would minister to them powerfully, that you continue to unite hearts of sons and daughters to fathers and mothers and bring unity in this house for the sake of your name over this city, over this nation and over the nations of the world, God, that we could do our very best to make your name famous everywhere we go. So we lean into you today in Jesus' name. Amen.